This podcast may include adult content. Welcome to Bound Off, a literary audio broadcast. In this edition, we have two stories. Hurricane by Karen Bernardo and Deeper into Sickness by Tyler McMahon. Visit our website at boundoff.com for information about our broadcasts. Hurricane, written and read by Karen Bernardo. Listening time, 2 minutes, 50 seconds. Hurricane by Karen Bernardo. When they heard about the hurricane barreling toward the Gulf, they piled the three kids in the car and started up toward Hattiesburg, where Charlene's people lived. On the way, the storm hit, and they kept driving, figuring that sooner or later the storm would get so bad they'd have to stop and find shelter. But there was no shelter, and they didn't stop, not in Hattiesburg, nor in Meridian, where the rain came down in sheets. The wind rocked the car like a freight train passing, and they held their breath every time they drove through water, not knowing whether they were crossing a street or a river. By Birmingham, the rain let up enough for them to change drivers. They had long since passed the point of being hungry. The youngest child had started a low, wheezing moan back in southern Mississippi and hadn't let up yet. Neither of the other two kids made a sound. In Chattanooga, they saw a newspaper and learned there was nothing to go home to. Charlene tried to call her mother but couldn't get through, so they got back in the car and kept driving north. Her father-in-law lived in Syracuse, and although New York seemed half a world away, it was a place without flooding without hurricanes. Outside a truck stop in Knoxville, they saw a wet cat huddled beside a dumpster. She was so dirty it was impossible to tell what color she was. Charlene picked her up, put her into the arms of one of the shell-shocked children in the back seat, and drove on. The cat did not move until Roanoke. Finally, she struggled free from the child's grip edged delicately onto the bench seat and started to clean herself. Slowly and painstakingly, the small, rough tongue worked over the wet fur, lifting and aerating it, leaving it dry and fluffy, before moving on to another body part. When there was nothing else her tongue could reach, the cat licked her paws until they glistened and worked them over her neck, her ears, her face. Charlene, who was not driving at the time, kept turning around in the front seat to watch. The cleaning took forever, but in the end, the cat looked like a cat again. She was orange, the color of marmalade. She extended her curved, spiny claws, retracted them, and settled into sleep. Charlene looked at her stark-eyed children and then at her husband, his white knuckles clenched around the steering wheel. She wanted to touch him, but could not. They were only in Virginia. They still had a long way to go. Karen Bernardo is the director of the Coburn Free Library in Oswego, New York, and the originator of the website StoryBites.com. She lives with her husband, David, in upstate New York. Deeper into Sickness 
written and read by Tyler McMahon. Listening time, 13 minutes, 38 seconds. Deeper into Sickness by Tyler McMahon The wave sucked, so Billy and I decided to dedicate ourselves fully to vandalism. We found our campsite, and Billy's dad sent us across the PCH with 20 bucks for charcoal briquettes. Instead, we bought five cans of spray paint. In the alley behind the hardware store, Billy and I dialed in our spraying skills. My new tag, Billy shook the paint can up and down with a sinister rattle, is Billy Dog. He wrote it in black across the green metal. It looked mostly like a big B and a big D with some squiggles in between. And my name, I said, is Terminator X. I started to write it in red across the dumpster, but Terminator was too long, and I didn't totally know how to spell it. You suck, Billy laughed. I settled for a big X with a circle around it. We stood and admired our work for a second. Sick, Billy decided. Sick, I agreed. Back at the campsite, Billy's dad cracked beers. Two tents had been set up. Billy chucked the jingling bag of paint cans into one. Where's the charcoal, his dad asked. They were out, Billy said. Billy and his family were about to move to the Inland Empire. This was their last big weekend at the beach. My parents thought that Billy's dad was a redneck, which was basically true, and normally didn't let me stay with them. This time, because they were moving, I got to come along. Billy's stepmom walked up with a pack of hot dogs and a bag of potato chips that I could tell was probably the cheapest she could find. She set her groceries on the picnic table. As she reached into the cooler for a beer, I watched her boobs sag inside her bikini top. Billy's dad told her that we'd failed to get the charcoal. Christ, Jim, she said. They got charcoal down there at the damn camp store. Now, with more money, Billy and I skated to the camp store. We bought the charcoal this time and played skate outside. Billy almost beat me with a monkey flip, but then I invented a new move called the charcoal briquette and took the game. Excuse me, a butch-looking blonde woman in uniform had snuck up on us. Can you boys read what that says right there? She pointed to the no skateboarding sign on the curb. Her khaki shirt was covered in patches. There was a badge pinned to her chest and a gun in her belt. She wore the wraparound athletic sunglasses that weren't in style anymore. Uh, no, Billy said. First time is a warning, she said. Second time, we confiscate the boards. She hooked her thumbs into the front pockets of her uniform shorts and walked away. Why are you hassling us, pig? Billy didn't say it until she was out of earshot, but I laughed a little anyway. That night, we lay awake in our bags waiting for Billy's parents to fall asleep. Dude, I asked, why is your dad moving to 909? Shut up, Billy said. Is it because he's a redneck and he likes to commune with his redneck brothers? Shut up. Soon, the sounds of two sets of snores came from the other tent, and we snuck out with our paint cans. The moon was full and perfect for tagging. We sprayed the stairs down to the beach. We wrote our names on the rocks at the base of the bluffs. The state should have paid us for the paint job that we put on the nearest lifeguard tower. Billy rocked the red and yellow, me the black and green. We worked our way down the beach like this, painting and laughing and saying sick. At the next lifeguard tower, a bum lay asleep along the platform. He smells like piss, Billy whispered. I put my nose up to his crusty army coat and nodded. The two of us walked further south and sprayed the rocks all around. Dude, I said, I bet you won't tag a wave. 
Billy ran into the water up to his ankles, waited for a little mini-wave, then tried to write his name across the face before it collapsed. I laughed. I bet you won't tag the moon, Billy shouted. We both turned up to the sky. The moon was so full and clear it was retarded. I lifted my spray can and made a big X right over it, like checking off a choice on a standardized test. In front of that giant whiteness, I could see the letter form in a mist of paint and aerosol for a second or two before it disappeared. It was sick, but Billy was standing too far away. He wouldn't have seen it, so I didn't say anything. Of course, the tagging was cool, but I couldn't help thinking that there was a way in which it sucked as well. With everything we did so far, it seemed like there was a little bit of lameness mixed in. I knew it was the fact that Billy was leaving soon, and that this might be the last chance we'd have to vandalize anything together ever again. But still, I didn't want that. I wanted to push this whole trip even deeper into sickness, so that we wouldn't feel the lameness at all anymore. I wanted all the waves to be big, all the graffiti to kick ass. Dude, I said to Billy at last, bet you won't tag the bum. Billy crept up to the lifeguard stand and I followed along behind. On the shoulder of the army coat, Billy squirted a little blast of red. Probably passed out or something, the bum didn't move at all. Billy drew a long line down the length of his leg. Nothing. I wondered if the bum was even still alive. Billy looked at me and shrugged. Then it was on. We both sprayed with a can in each hand, drawing shapes and lines all over his clothes. For a few minutes there, the world was nothing more than muffled giggles and hissing spray cans and the joy of getting away with something we weren't supposed to do. When we turned his body onto its back, the bum didn't even stir. Two black circles went over his eyes like a skull. Billy drew a bullseye on his forehead, stripes all the way down his chest. None of his skin or clothing did we leave untagged. Finally, this was sick enough for me. We were already done when the bum moved in his sleep and made a sort of animal noise. Billy and I dropped our almost empty spray cans and ran back to our tent. In the morning, we took our surfboards down and sat on the beach. All the rocks had our tags on them, but with the sunshine, it wasn't quite as cool-looking as we'd hoped. The waves didn't suck as much today, but the water was crowded with old guys on longboards. I fucking hate kooks, Billy said. Dude, give me your board when you move to 909. Billy had bought a brand new board, a sick one with channels, right before his dad announced their big move. I reached across and touched the edge of one smooth corner near the tail. Fuck off, Billy slapped my hand away. They don't even call it 909 anymore. It'll always be 909, I said. Look, Billy said. The ranger bitch came toward us from over by the stairs. Be cool. We both turned and stared out at the shitty waves. You two wouldn't know anything about any spray painting going on around here, would you? What's spray paint? Billy asked her. I couldn't help it and busted up laughing. You want to get cute with me, she said. Uh, no, Billy said. I'm watching you two. She pointed at her own ugly, out-of-style sunglasses with her first two fingers, then pointed them back at us. We both laughed out loud. The ranger bitch walked off. All day long, Billy's dad and stepmom did nothing but drink beer, get sunburn, and start fires. The camp stove in the morning, then the charcoal grill, later a wood fire in the iron ring after dark. Yet all we ever ate was hot dogs and quesadillas. They sent us to the store for more lighter fluid around dinner time. Dude, I said to Billy as we skated down the hill, how many times has your dad been married? Shut up, 
We paid for the lighter fluid and had six dollars left over. The clerk wouldn't sell us cigarettes, so we bought some generic energy drinks instead. We sat chugging them on the curb with our skateboards. A couple people pointed toward the stairs, then laughed. Look, Billy said. I spit out a mouthful of caffeine and sugar when I saw it. There was our bum, totally painted up and in the daylight, covered from head to toe in red, green, yellow, and black. He looked like the flag from some made-up country, a place always having invasions and revolutions. Sikistan, it might have been called. A group gathered around, only the bum didn't know what everybody was pointing and laughing about. He kept turning around behind himself to see. It was fucking awesome. Billy and I laughed so hard we were about to cry. We carried our skateboards and energy drinks and bag of lighter fluid over to some bushes where we collapsed and laughed some more. You think that's funny? The voice came from above. We looked up and saw the ranger bitch standing there, looking straight down at us. Back at the stairs, the bum cowered like a caged animal. He turned and ran back down to the beach. You two are sick, you know that? That's when we fully busted up laughing. A line of sugary drool came from the side of Billy's mouth and I thought he might puke. Of course, she meant sick with a K, but in our minds we were both thinking, yes, we are sick, and yes, we do know that. The ranger bitch shook her head in disgust and walked off. That night, Billy's dad and stepmom got busy in the tent right next door and got busy loud. Dude, I said, your dad's going for it. Shut up. Billy whispered it so softly I could barely hear him over the grunts and coos coming from his parents. We had only one can of spray paint left, but we'd planned to share it and do some more tagging after the adults fell asleep. Maybe it's all the hot dogs he eats that make him such a love machine. I couldn't help myself. The air mattress shook underneath me with muffled laughter. Shut up, Billy said again. His sleeping bag made a whooshing sound as he turned over. His stepmom went, Jimmy, oh, Jimmy boy, and I laughed even harder. His dad was all, uh, uh. I slithered over toward Billy in my sleeping bag and whispered, Billy, oh, Billy boy. Fuck off. Billy twisted around and came at me with the blue paint. He went for my face, but I caught his hands and pushed the nozzle toward our feet. The two of us rolled around and struggled with the can. Blue paint squirted all over the bottom half of our sleeping bags. Cut it out. Fuck you, I'll paint your skateboard. Billy pushed the can far enough to spray my board with blue. I worked it to his side and got his board as well. He tried to rip it upwards out of my grip. A blue line covered the roof of the tent and the lantern that hung there in the center. I twisted the can in a corkscrew motion to get it out of his hands. He held down the spray nozzle. Paint went all over the inside walls of nylon. Hey, that's enough, the voice boomed from outside. It was Billy's dad. Shut up, both of you, and go to sleep. Don't make me come in there. Billy and I rolled over, so our backs faced each other. Besides our bodies, everything in the tent was now blue. The chemicals from the paint made me dizzy, and I fell asleep fast. The next morning, Billy and I didn't speak to each other. Billy's stepmom woke up, lit a cigarette, and asked if we wanted breakfast burritos. Neither of us answered, but she sent us to the store anyways. We walked this time, not wanting to explain about our skateboards and their sudden blueness. On our way to the store, we saw a crowd gathered near the entrance to the park near the kiosk and the flagpole. What the fuck is that? Billy asked. It was the first time we'd spoken since our fight in the tent. I shrugged. Let's check it out. The two of us walked over to where the crowd was standing. Billy ran ahead of me a little and then stood on his tiptoes. When he turned back, his face was white. 
This is not cool, he said. What, I asked, what's not cool? None of this is cool. We elbowed our way through the crowd a bit, and then I saw what Billy had seen. There was the piss-smelling bum from yesterday, with his face covered in our tags, though the paint had rubbed off in certain spots. His neck was limp and longer than it should have been. His head slumped forward in a kind of unnatural bow. But with the offshore breeze, his body swung slowly, suspended from a not-too-high branch of the little tree by the park entrance. On the manicured lawn just below his feet sat his paint-encrusted army jacket and his combat boots now without laces. Some children in the crowd were crying. A skinny woman fainted into the arms of her husband. Flashes went off from several digital cameras. I turned to Billy. He was right. None of this was cool. His face wrinkled and reddened itself towards some serious tears. My whole life, I'd been separating the world into things that are cool and things that suck. For the first time, as I watched that dead bum hanging there, and shame washed all over me like a wave, I hoped that things were not so simple, because if they were, then I had to face the fact that, in my heart, I was probably not one of the cool people. More likely, I sucked. The ranger was right. As a human being, I was sick with a K. Look, Billy said, pointing in the other direction. I turned and saw the ranger bitch. She walked with long strides from the direction of our campsite and carried a large Ziploc bag with our blue can of spray paint inside. Billy's dad stumbled along behind her in boxer shorts and bare feet. His belly bulged red with beer and sunburn like a piece of overripe fruit. As I looked up and down at the ranger's khaki uniform, her sporty sunglasses, the belt full of weapons and equipment that she had to use her hands to keep steady, I saw clearly that, perhaps for the first time in my life, I would get what I deserved. Tyler McMahon's work has appeared in Three Penny Review, Passages North, The Surfer's Journal, Barrel House, and elsewhere. His collection of surfing stories, Missing the Point, needs a publisher. Thanks for listening to this edition of Bound Off, copyright Bound Off and the respective authors, all rights reserved. Visit our website at boundoff.com for information about our broadcasts and how to submit your stories.